you have your Bibles, I would like you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 18. Gospel of John, chapter 18. As you're turning there this morning, I want you to know that this message, this message is for, this message is for every person here today who has been wounded in some way by someone. Let me say that again. This message is for every person in this room who has been injured by someone in some way at some time. Now, that means it's for every person here today because every person has been or will be hurt by someone. Words that are said, actions that are done, or things that are undone. You're going to be wounded by people. We're going to look at this more. I also want to give you right up front um, at the close of this service, at the close of this message, we're going to have a time of prayer around these altars. And, there, and I really believe that there's going to be a point during this message where the Holy Spirit will p- prompt you as we look into God's Word. It's gonna, he's going to prompt you. He says, today is your day of healing. And so I want you to be prepared for that. I believe, and I've been pr- preparing and praying for this day I believe that God wants to do an extraordinary work in people's lives of healing. Healing not just in bodies. We we pray for that. We believe that. But some of the greatest healings you ever experience will happen in your heart and in your mind. And so today is is really an exciting day. John chapter 18, it, it happened. It happened in a garden called Gethsemane. It, it, it happened not long after Jesus and the disciples uh, ate the Passover meal and began what we call communion, the, 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 the Lord's Supper. It happened not long after that and not too long before Jesus died on the cross. It was that, it was that kind of a calm before the storm that would lead into Jesus' arrest and his suffering and his crucifixion, and of course, ultimately, his, his resurrection. Jesus, the Bible tells us here in John and in the other Gospels as well, Jesus had been praying for much of the night. Most of Jesus' disciples were with him. Jesus was praying and they were sleeping, right? Maybe you know that story. At some point during the night, a group of people, probably a rather large group of people, comprised of priests, temple priests, and Pharisees, and soldiers, and temple servants. All right, so you've got four different groups. You have temple priests, you have Pharisees, they are a religious group. You have soldiers, armed personnel, and you have temple slaves. uh, 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 This large group of people came to the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, and they came to arrest Jesus. And their charge against Jesus, their grounds for arrest, was that they believed that he had blasphemed against God. Jesus had declared, and others had declared, that Jesus was indeed the Son of God, that Jesus was himself divine. Jesus even said that, and they heard that, they misconstrued it, and so they brought these charges of blasphemy against him. And it wasn't only that, it was also that their power base, these people that I speak of, particularly the temple priests and the Pharisees, saw their, their power, their influence being threatened, and so they came to bring Jesus into custody. Ultimately, their intent was to 
was to kill him. Now, a, a crowd who was coming to arrest someone would, would, would in itself be rather disturbing, right? If you see a crowd of people coming at night with torches in their hands and, and, and swords in their hands, when you see that happening, that in itself would be disturbing, but it was more so disturbing because leading the crowd was one of Jesus' very own disciples. His name was, of course, Judas. We refer to him as the betrayer because that is precisely what he was doing. He had been with Jesus for much <clears throat> of the previous three years. He had seen Jesus perform these miracles. He had experienced the teachings, heard the teachings of Jesus, had seen the compassion of Jesus, but he betrayed Jesus. <clears throat> so with the sounds of this large group of people, uh, the, the sounds that a large group of people would make, uh, all of the disciples were now roused from their sleep. And one of the disciples, the one named Peter, verse 10 says this, Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. And then it adds this, the servant's name was Malchus. Now, just think about this scene for a moment. What, what we just read would have been something very impressive to see. Again, this large group of people coming through the night with these torches and with these, these clanking swords and probably spears, and, and, and they come through the night, and, and, and a large crowd makes noise. And, and then what we just read, this sword swinging and ear falling happened so very fast. Here is a, here's a 16th century French painting of that particular scene. I don't know if it was exactly like that, but uh, I mean, there is, there, is, there is Peter just going at it. He's the guy with the sword, by the way. Malchus is on the ground. Now, I got looking at this picture, and it was the best one that I could find. I got looking at this picture, and you'll notice the halo on top of Peter's head. That faded just after the ear fell to the ground, I'm pretty sure. I want you to imagine this scene. This man who is angry at what is happening, this man who is there, and he's on the receiving end of someone's sword. You can't help but feel a little bit sorry for Malchus, right? I mean, he's, he's someone's servant. He, he's, he's someone's servant. He didn't lead the charge, and he probably did not even desire to be there that night. He would have been fine with just staying back and, and, and staying in the, wherever servants stayed back near the temple. He would have been fine with that. Here, poor Malchus. I mean, this poor guy, this is a classic case of being at the wrong place at the wrong time. If you're taking notes this morning, I encourage you to because these are some powerful principles. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. The wound was not expected. Just five words. The wound was not <clears throat> expected. Malchus, we know his name here. This is the only gospel that actually records his name. Uh, all four gospels record this account. This one mentions his name. Malchus never saw this coming. 
No one here in the group thought that this was going to happen. I promise you, no one on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, no one in that crowd of people said, have your headgear on, Peter's there. No one said that. Malchus, he's just going along for the ride. He's carrying that torch or he's, he's just kind of helping someone else. But, but suddenly, this all ha- he never saw this coming. One moment, everything was fine. He's just one person in a crowd who's bringing in someone who's accused of a, by the way, a nonviolent crime. How hard is this supposed to be? Go to the garden, get the man, bring him back, go back to sleep. But suddenly, out of nowhere, there is the zing and the flash of steel And the next thing Malchus knows, there's a fierce pain on the right side of his head. There is blood running down his cheek. And there in the dirt at his feet is what remained of his right ear. It happened so fast. What happened, what we just read there in verse 10, was an unexpected, undeserved and shocking wound. You see, some of the most devastating wounds that we will ever receive are much like that. Some of the greatest wounds that you will ever receive or have received have that in common with this man named Malchus. Often the things that hurt us the most come from unexpected places at unexpected times. A child turns on a parent and says, I hate you. A husband or wife turns to their spouse and says, I no longer love you. Or there's someone else. Oh, what a wound. A a supervisor comes up to you and says, today's your last day. Don't come in tomorrow. That's a wound. A friend betrays you or a friend ignores you. It's painful. One moment, everything seems really fine. One moment is everything, life is just continuing on as it has. And then just a moment later, you're holding your head, wondering where that came from. Don't raise your hands, but you ever been there? Ever get a wound like that? Think back. Some of our deepest wounds were unexpected. But the, but the wound's real, and the pain is severe, and you wonder what happened. Again, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. People who wound can believe they are right in doing so. People who wound can believe they are right in doing so, or they're justified in doing so. Their, their actions 
merit or the problem merits their actions. People who wound can believe that they're, what they're doing is, is right. I'm sure Peter, right? You saw the picture a little bit earlier. I'm sure Peter believed he was doing the right thing. I don't know exactly what went through Peter's mind. It's not recorded in any of the Gospels. But, but, but Peter, you have to understand, Peter had been with Jesus also for three years. Peter had been one who stood on a mountain some distance away along with James and John and heard the voice of God out of heaven say, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Peter had been one who had passed out food that Jesus had multiplied from a small kid's lunch to feed 5,000 people. Peter had seen the compassion of Jesus. Peter had seen Jesus talk to the most unlikely of people. He saw things that our Bible does not record. You see a lot in three years. Peter, Peter had experienced the love of Jesus Christ up close and personal. And when he sees this happen, when he sees this mob come with spears and swords and lanterns in the middle of the night after Passover is over, he must have thought, who do you think you are? How dare you do this? Do you not understand who this is? This is Jesus, the Son of God. He's not a common criminal. And Peter was not going to apologize. What would Peter say? Sorry I cut off your ear. I was actually aiming for your head. What's he going to say? Peter, I want you to understand, because we often look at this and we go, ah, you know, Peter was not a bad man. In some way, Peter was a very good man. Peter was the first person to declare that Jesus was the Son of God. Peter was the only person to walk on water with Jesus. He didn't do it for very long, but he did it. Peter was closer, arguably closer, to Jesus than many of the other disciples. Peter was also reckless. Peter was also impulsive. I point this out, I point this out, I, I, I'm not defending him, I'm simply explaining it a little bit, that because, well, be, that, that, that he felt he was justified in his actions, and I say this because while we can often be on the receiving end of someone's sword, listen to me, other times we may be the one swinging the sword. Again, don't raise your hands. Some of you have you know that, that kind of a pain, maybe not physical, but in your emotions or in your heart, you feel that pain that Malchus must have felt. But let's be honest here. How many here, don't raise your hands, but how many here have swung a sword or two in your life? And you've wounded people. You've said things or done things or not done things that hurt people. You ever hurt someone that you, you ever hurt someone thinking that you were justified in doing so? And, and then later on, and then later on, you realize you were just plain angry. Or maybe you were hurting deeply, and, and out of that hurt, you hurt someone back. Come on now, how many of us have swung swords? How many of us have, 
have, have pulled it out in a moment and started swinging and you didn't stop with one ear, you took off both ears, one eyebrow, and three fingers. Come on, how many have done it? Not literally. I've done this. Again, not literally. If I would have actually done it, I wouldn't be here today. I would be involved in prison ministry. What I'm saying is that we've done this. We've done this, haven't we? We've hurt people with our words. We've hurt people with our actions. Or we've hurt people with our inaction. And again, we didn't stop with just one ear. I know that, I know that there are people who intentionally hurt other people. But most of us have both been hurt and we have hurt others I'm not defending him I'm not defending you I'm not excusing our actions I'm simply saying we've received sword wounds figuratively speaking we've received sword wounds and we've applied sword wounds Again, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's a little bit longer. If wounded persons wait for the one who hurt them to heal them, they'll bleed to death. I'm going to say that again. If wounded persons wait for the one who hurt them to heal them, they'll bleed to death. That's a very important thing. Peter did not have I mean, here's Peter. He's a good man. He's a godly man. He's been used of the Lord. He's prayed for people. The Bible records that prior to this, he's prayed for people in the name of Jesus. And, and they were healed or they were, they were delivered. But Peter did not have the ability, or certainly in this moment, the desire or even the opportunity to heal Malchus. Peter inflicted the wound, but Peter wasn't going to give the healing. And if Malchus, the, the temple slave who, who's now for a brief few moments known as one-eared Malchus, <laughs> if Malchus would have waited for Peter to heal him, Malchus would have bled out. That's a very important point. That's a very important point, and, and, and I think you'll understand why in just a moment. But that, I want you to get that, that if the people who are wounded are waiting for the person who wounded them to heal them, they're going to bleed to death. I know people can be deeply wounded. I've seen people wounded by words or actions or inactions. I have seen people deeply and profoundly wounded by some of the most horrendous, figuratively speaking, slashes of someone's sword. If I never saw it again, I've seen enough in my lifetime but I'm glad God called me, and because He called me, I'm going to see some more. I know people can be deeply wounded, but too often, wounded people are waiting for the person who wounded them to come and heal them. This is really important. Too often, the people who have been wounded 
are waiting for the person who wounded them to come and heal them. They want that person or those persons to come back and to apologize and to make amends, to tell you how wrong they were, to tell you and even beg you to forgive them for what they did or what they failed to do. There are people who are wounded. I'm talking believer and unbeliever alike. There are people who have been deeply wounded and in their mind they almost fantasize about that person coming to them and begging them for forgiveness. They'll even say things, I won't forgive them until they come back crawling on their knees. They expect the one who wounded them to heal them. Here's some really important news for you. It may never happen. It may never happen. That person who profoundly injured you in some way at some point, that person who wounded you, they're probably never going to come. Don't you wait for it because they're probably never going to come to you. They may not even be aware of what they did to you. And if they are aware, they're maybe too embarrassed to come to you and acknowledge what they do to you. Or their hearts are so hardened by what they've done to you and probably to others that they're not going to come to you. So you got to stop waiting for the person who hurt you to heal you. Hear me on this. Again, someone wounded you. But if you're waiting for them to bring the healing, that wound will remain open and you will become infected. Some of you are, um, some of you are in the, many of you are in the medical profession, Amber, among many others. There's this thing called blood poison, sepsis, right? It's deadly. I mean, it'll kill you. An open wound is a very serious thing. Even people, many people, countless people have died from the, the smallest wound that was left open. It can happen to followers of Christ. I mean, that is largely who I'm talking to this morning. People who at some point in your past have said, Jesus, I recognize my need for you and I'm, I'm going to hell quickly without a Savior and I need you and you're the only one that can save me. At some point in your, that's most of us here today. If not, we'll give you opportunity later. But most of us here today are followers of Jesus Christ. But listen to me, it can happen to followers of Jesus Christ. I've, I've seen it. Don't raise your hands, but have you ever met a bitter Christian? I'm talking about a person who, who just, it just it, it, there's a bitterness in their spirit. This is often where it comes from. Somebody hurt them in some way at some point in the past. They claim faith in Jesus Christ, but they're so wounded and it has become infected and it's become so serious and it's become... potentially deadly. You spend some time with them. How do you know? 
you spend some time with them, and it won't take too long, and they'll tell you about their wound. They'll tell you about their wound. (laughs) They'll say, yeah, that person said this to me five years ago. Still gets my blood pumping every time I think of it. Or how about this? That person cost me $100. Happened 10 years ago. Still waiting for them to come and make it right. Hear comments like that. Or how about this one? Or something like it. My mom. Or my dad. Or my friend. Or this relative did that to me. They wounded me deeply. I'll never forgive them for what they did. I've heard Christians, people who say they love the Lord Jesus Christ, talk about wounds that are far in the past, not in a, in a time of testimony where it's like, this is what, where I was, this is what Jesus did, and here's... No, I'm talking about they still show you the open wound. And sometimes it's prefaced like this. They had no right. That person had no right. And you're you're correct. They did not have the right, but it happened. But it's like it's on display. You spend a little bit of time with followers of Jesus Christ, and one of the first things they pull out is the wound. Does any... Again, no, no visible response, please, but does any of this sound familiar? It is so easy to display our wounds. Let me tell you what so-and-so did. <laughs> can you imagine? I mean, that we, we, know, we know the rest of the story. I'll give it to you here in a moment. But can you imagine? Uh, can you imagine Malchus, right, picking up that severed ear, drying it out, and sticking it in his pocket. Imagine that. So that so that when people come up to him and they say to him, "Hey, uh, it's the right side. Hey, what uh, what what man? That is nasty looking. What happened to your ear?" He would reach into his pocket and he'd pull out that ear. He would say, "Let me tell you about a night in Gethsemane." Let me tell you about that night that I lost my ear. This is the ear. Let me tell you about the dirty dog, Peter, who done the deed. Now, some of you are about to pass out. This is a piece of jerky, okay? This is not an ear. It's ter- I'm tempted to bite it, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> No ears have been injured in the preparation of this message. Can you imagine Malchus pulling that out and saying, look, here it is. This is where it used to be, and let me tell you about the guy who did it. Does that sound silly? Listen, it happens all the time. I've had people say, look at this. Look what they did. Look how they wounded me. Look how they cut me. Look what they did to me. Look what they did to my family. Look what they did to my marriage. Look what they did to my body. 
Look what they did. I know it sounds silly, but I've seen it happen. If we wait, if we wait for the person who wounded us to heal us, we'll bleed to death or we'll die of infection. Now, here in the Gospel of John, there's an element, a really big element that's missing. But in Luke's Gospel, hear me on this, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, verse 51, it adds this very important element. Just after, it records that just after Malchus's ear was severed, it says this, but Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. I don't know why John didn't record it, but Luke did. Again, look at those words, those last words. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. It was one of the last miracles before Jesus hung on the cross. The details are not given. I don't know exactly how fast it happened. I don't know if he just touched the ear and he got a new ear, if he reached down in the dirt, brushed it off, and stuck it back on. I don't know the details. Someday we're going to see the replay, and it's going to be cool. But I'm confident of this. I believe that Jesus healed it perfectly. Come on. I believe that he, he healed it perfectly. He did not put it on upside down. <laughs> He didn't, it didn't keep dropping off. Oh, excuse me, i got to pick up my ear again. I believe that when Jesus healed the man, he healed it perfectly. Now, this is me, right? This is my opinion. Just not in Scripture. I don't know for sure. This is just me. I would like to think there was a scar. And you're saying, wait a minute. If it was perfect, then there wouldn't even be a scar. No, listen. Listen, I, I hope that there was a scar because a scar reminds us of a wound, but it also says that a wound was healed and no longer can be infected. I would like to think that when people later on find out, because I believe for the again, someday we're going to find out the rest of the story, but I believe for the rest of his life, Malchus was a follower of Jesus Christ, and he told people. And people would, people would talk to him, and he goes, and they would hear the story you know, before they met him, and they would go, oh, you're that Malchus? He goes, yeah, right, look at there, right? See, see that thin line? That's where he put it back on. His scar, his scar was a proof his scar, all the way from top to bottom, his scar was a visible demonstration of the power of Jesus Christ to heal something that was broken, severed, and thrown into the dirt. See, I have, I have seen people's scars from previous wounds. And I look at that, and it may even be a ghastly scar, but thank God it's no longer an open wound that is easily infected and has the potential to kill them. The wound was perfectly healed. 
Jesus healed the man. Peter's apology didn't heal him. Malchus's demand for justice didn't heal him. Jesus healed him. And we will be wounded in ways, we will be wounded in ways that neither we nor anyone else can ever heal. Your family will not heal you. Your spouse will not heal you. A former spouse will not heal you. A friend cannot heal you. A book cannot heal you. A counselor or a doctor or a pastor cannot heal you. Only Jesus can heal completely down to the very depths of us. I know this. Because I've been healed by Jesus. And many of you have been healed by Jesus. If you with spiritual eyes could see me, if I with spiritual eyes could see you, I believe we'd see a lot of scar tissue. Indications of previous wounds that have been healed by the one who healed Malchus. I believe that Jesus still 2,000 years later heals people's wounds. But I want everyone to know that Jesus still heals people's wounds. I gave you fair warning. I told you that at the end of this service, we're going to have a time of prayer. I'd like the musicians, if they'll go ahead and come and prepare yourselves. Don't be distracted by them. Listen to me. Listen to me. They're coming. You're listening. I believe that today can be a day of healing. I believe that today, regardless of how long, how serious, who, or the degree of what they did, I believe that there can be healing today. And in just a few moments, we're going to open up these altars and you're going to come forward. You are not going to think about what everybody else is thinking because I can promise you they're not going to think about you. And if they do notice you coming forward, they're not going to even remember it one half hour from now. So don't you dare let that small little thing. People are not nearly as interested in you as you think they are. But I believe that God wants to do a healing in you today. I believe that at some point during this message, the Holy Spirit has said, today's your day. What I did with Malchus, I'm going to do to you. The wound that I healed with him, I'm going to heal your wound. The thing that they said, the thing that they did, the thing that they failed to do. The neglect, the abuse, the emotional, the physical, sexual abuse am I saying you're not going to remember it no you will you'll have you're, you're going to have a scar but no more open wounds today I want you to stand with me please everyone here if you can I want you to stand I want you to prepare yourself I want you to close your eyes right now if there is anyone here today if there is anyone here today who does not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ 
I want to give you opportunity right now. This is very, very important. The greatest element to your healing is to be in right relationship with the healer. So before we go any further, is there anyone right here, right now, that will do two things? Number one, you'll raise your hand high so that I can see it among these standing people. And also you'll catch my eye. I want everyone else to bow your heads, please. But if there's someone here today who does not yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to lead you in that prayer so that you will begin a relationship with the healer. His name is Jesus. And that you too will receive your healing today. But this is the greatest element to your healing. Is there anyone here today who just raise up your hand and say, yeah, pastor, that's me. Is there anyone here? I'm just, just looking around. This is very important before we go any further. All right. We'll not belabor this. But I'm here to pray with you. Is there anyone here? All right. Now, here's what I want you to do. Um, we're not going to have a formal close. Close that I'm going to do is just going to be in a moment. I'm going to pray. The, the persons up here in front are going to begin to to uh, to lead us in a song. You can sing along, but more importantly, I want you to come forward. There, there, there may be some people to pray with you here, but I just want you to put act, to put faith to action. And oftentimes when we do the very simple statement of, of well, stepping out of the pew, walking forward, in that simple statement of faith, I believe that God meets us. And, and can he meet with you where you are? Absolutely he can. But I believe that God uh, answers people's actions. And so I want you to do this. If you, if you, this morning you want some kind of healing, it, it, you, you're not going to share it with anyone unless later on the Lord tells you to. Um, you're, you don't have to share the details of it, but you're going to meet with Jesus and you're going to say, Jesus, what you did to that man so many centuries ago, would you do that to me today? I don't want to be, I don't want open wounds anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to be, I, I, I don't want sepsis of the spirit. I want to be healed. I'll remember it. I'll be able to pull it up to my memory, but I no longer need to show it as a, as a, as a grisly reminder of what they did. Today is your day. Are you ready? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. You're going to come forward. There'll be people here praying. You can pray as long as you want. If you need to go, feel free to go. It will not be a formal closing, but I want to open these altars. So, all right? And here we go. Lord Jesus. I thank you for speaking to us through your word. I believe that by your Holy Spirit, in response to our obedience to your word, you have stirred people. And so today, today, Lord, at these altars, would you meet people and do what you did then? This is recorded in the Bible for a reason, and I believe that part of that reason is for us here today. So Lord, heal people's wounds today in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we later on go, we pray we'll go in your power. And, and, and with the message of Jesus Christ on our lips and in our lives, I pray this now healing in these moments ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you this morning as you come. Sing together. Poverty loses its grip. Race can no longer
Goes will have 